right, but we're ending the series One Life to Live today. This is part three, and I'm excited about this as we end January and we just we end this series. And go ahead and grab out your Bible and your notes um, if you're excited also about this series. Here at Victory, we take notes. We love to take notes because we believe God will speak to us uh, in these times that we have together in the worship or during the sermon. Something will stick out. So it's important to write those things down. Uh, If you'd like us to tell you what to write down, the app has a fill-in-the-blank version of the notes. And even if you get the blank wrong, it'll tell you what the right answer is. Come on, somebody. That's just, there's no test better than that, all right? So it it will fill in the blanks for you if you want to. Can't get easier than that. But every year in January, I try to bring you a series that kind of tries to check off some of the resolutions from your list. Because if you're like a normal American, for the last 10 years, you've been probably putting the same thing. It says that on average, an uh, average American will put the same thing on their New Year's resolution list for a decade until they finally just take it off unfinished. And so here at Victory, we believe that we're here to help you grow from where you are to where God wants you to be. And so I want to bring you a series that can help you start to check some of those things off the list. Because God has called us to take a journey. He's called us to take that journey in our spiritual walk and in our momentum with him. And so we become more and more like Christ, growing in everything that he has for us. And so that's what our goal is. So our series is One Life to Live. And here's the idea behind it. And that is, how would your life be different if you knew when it would end? If you found out that you only had 30 years left to live or 10 years left to give or one year left to live, or maybe you found out that you only have 30 days left to live, how would that change the way that you live? How would that change your lifestyle? How would that change? Maybe some of you would have a perspective shift. We talked about that in week one. Maybe it would be a shift in your relationships or the way that you act or or maybe in your finances. And so we've been kind of wrestling with this question. If we only had 30 days to live, how would we live? Because it doesn't matter if you only have 30 days or 30,000 days left to live on this earth. Our lives are still too short. And so we need to make every moment matter. We need to make every minute count. And so we should probably make those adjustments even though we don't know when the end of our life is, we should probably go ahead and make those adjustments now. And so I'm excited about the conclusion of this series because I think in moments like these, beginnings of the year or the new season or whenever it is where we begin to make resolutions and begin to decide new things, I think a lot of times we'll look at those and maybe we'll look at some things that we thought were so important in January of last year and we'll begin to question what really matters. We'll begin to ask ourselves, what matters in this life? What should I actually be living for? And what should I actually be putting down? What should I actually be doing with the time that I have? And it's a question I want to kind of wrestle with today. Uh, I want to just walk us through the word of God about what really matters most in the life and in the time that we're given. Because I think the sad reality is, myself included, a lot of us give too much energy and too much of our time to things that don't really matter. And let me just preface this message by saying, I'm not going to say anything today that you maybe have never heard before in your life. In fact, I've probably touched on a few of these things throughout last year in different sermons and series, but I've never spent the whole Sunday on it. I want to do that today because I think it's important to use these things to kind of course correct our life at different intervals. I think it's important here at the end of January where we're looking at the rest of the year, it's on the horizon, and we're looking at our different things that we're going to do. I think it's important to get ourselves straight on our course uh, before we jump into the rest of us. So I want to talk about things that really matter today. I've got three of them for you. Jot it down if you're taking notes. Number one, God matters. God matters. Well, you say, well, you're a pastor and this is church, so I would understand why number one would be God matters because you think that maybe I'm just trying to guilt you into doing something more or serving more or being more religious or right, giving more or doing something like that. You're trying, I'm trying to guilt you into coming to church more often because I think when we think about God mattering in this life, because we always know God matters for eternity. We, we have that settled in our minds. But when we think about God mattering in this life, a lot of times our minds will turn to religious things. Our minds will turn to things that we can do, duty and obligation. And 
things that we can do at the church or around. And those things are great. It's good to read your Bible. It's good to serve and to give. God loves all of those things. But all of those things are not what it means to know God, to know him. And I'm not trying to sell you religion today because religion is not what's going to let you know God. It's not what's going to bring you closer to him. It's not that's not what I want to do. Jesus didn't die so you could just practice religion. He died so he could have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship. And Paul actually went on a journey to figure all this out for himself. Um, Paul, you'll see his kind of his progression, uh, but he kind of explains it in Philippians. So we'll look at that because he had put a lot of stock. He put a lot of stock in the things that he did. I promise you, Paul was more squeaky clean than you are. All right. So just go ahead and use him as the example, because he put a lot of stock in the things that he did because he felt like it was getting him closer to God. He felt like that was what bought him his salvation, what got him closer to the God that he served. But then in Philippians chapter three, he lays it out and he says, I once thought that these things were valuable. I once thought all this stuff, all this working that I was doing, all the good work, everything that I thought it was really valuable because I thought it made me good. I thought that it was really valuable because I thought it really gave me greater standing with God. And so now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. At the end of the day, it's about a relationship with Jesus. It's about a relationship with him. And so Paul goes on to say, he says, for his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. Now, I want to stop right there and look at this word garbage, because in the modern day vernacular, this Greek word in the New Testament would not have meant the word garbage that we use today. All right. This is a word. That is actually very vulgar and very script that probably people were incredibly offended that Paul would even write this in a letter or that it would be included in the Bible. In fact, this word that they use here, if I were to say it from the pulpit today, half of you would leave our church and you would write me nasty letters about how I could expose your children to such a word that we would say that from the church. And that's what the word is in Philippians that Paul is using. If you read this letter, I guarantee you, you would say, Paul, how could you write such a word in the Bible? Paul, how could you use that? Why would you say? He said, I count it all as is. I've discarded everything else so that I could gain Christ, that I could be. I count everything that I tried to do to be a good person. I count everything that I tried to do to work my way back to God. I count it all as so that I could gain Christ. Fill in the blank there yourselves, all right? And become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself, God's way of knowing us, of having a relationship, depends on faith. In him, his conclusion in verse 10, where he says, I just want to know Christ and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. It's not about practicing religion. It's not about trying to do these things that do that. He says, we got to experience Christ. And that's what I want for you as a pastor. I want you to actually experience God, because if your approach to God is all mental, if it's all intellectual, then it will never really make an impact on your life. It'll just be this intellectual pursuit that you continue to go on. And God welcomes intellectual pursuits, but there has to be an experience as well. You have to experience him. Because if your approach to God is always head knowledge, it will never be an experience with God. You never begin to experience him because it's not, it won't impact your life because that's not what Jesus came to give you. He didn't die to give you a head knowledge about it. He came to experience where you could say the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in me. That I've experienced God. He wants you to experience because when you experience him, then you can say, "Okay, I I once was lost and now I'm found. I once was sick, but now I'm healthy. I once was broken, but now I'm healed. You mean to say my relationships used to be in a mess, but now I've been restored. Like Jesus has done something miraculous in my life is when you experience him. 
Thank you, all seven of you that are excited about that, all right? Paul's prayer for every one of us is that we would experience Christ knowing the same power. Because, see, I can, I can argue you out of a theological position. We can argue day and night. I can argue out of that, but I can never argue you out of an experience when you experience the living God in your life. When you experience the living God, it's an understanding in your life and it's deep in your heart. And from that will flow everything else about your life. Everything else about because knowing God, Proverbs says this, knowing God results in every other kind of understanding. So the world wrestles with this question. They'll wrestle with the question of why am I here and what am I you know, made for and what was, I, what was I put on the earth for and what do I need to do and what are we supposed to be doing with our lives? And you cannot answer that question until you've met with your creator, until you've asked him what you're here for and what you're made for. Colossians chapter 1, it says it this way, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him. Everything was created in him and finds its purpose. In him. So not only was everything created in him, but in order to find its purpose, everything draws it from him. Everything comes from him. And so, in other words, God created it all. And then in this life, and if you're asking that question, okay, what am I here for? What's my purpose? I, I don't know why I'm supposed to, what am I supposed to be doing? You find that in him. A few months ago, I took up woodworking as a hobby. I'm not very good, but I try really hard. All right, everybody? I try really, really hard. Stuff is not quite straight yet. Angles and corners kind of elude me, but I'm working on it. All right? So I build stuff in my own home. I don't give it away, uh, but we're, we're working on that. But I've started, I've started doing, I still have all 10 fingers, so I'm doing well. All right? I'm doing, doing really well. All right? I'll check in with you next year. We'll check in and see. Uh, but I don't know about you, but I also have three kids. All right? And so you guys probably, you probably know that. And so they like to, when I'm building something or I'm, I'm gluing up or whatever it is I'm doing, they like to be in the garage or outside with me, uh, kind of watching. They like to play with the hand tools and the saw, and they like to put nails in every surface they can find, all right? They just like to drive nails into everything. It's great. We enjoy it, all right? And then I like to pull nails out of every surface that I can find. But a little while back, I was cutting uh, some shelves we were going to put into our house, and I was doing some support uh, pieces. And so my son, Elijah, was going around picking up the scrap pieces uh, that I was cutting at different angles and different things. He was kind of making a pile. Uh, and when I finished, he came and asked me, would I help him put them together? And so uh, he would direct me. He had an idea for what they should look like. And then I would drive. He hadn't gotten the hand of the, uh, of the drill yet. He hadn't quite gotten that cried on. So I would drive the screws for him. So he would hold them. I would drive the screws into it. And so I brought it with me today. Come on, somebody. I brought it with me, what we ended up with. Come on, somebody. Because I don't know about your kids, but if they're like mine and they finish something and they bring it to you and they're like, Daddy, Daddy, I made this for you. And you're like, wow, what is it? Because I don't know if you look at this right now, you probably think it's some kind of like door stopper or uh, or something like that. Because Elijah comes to me and he's like, he's like, Dad, I finished this. is." I'm like, Elijah, it's amazing. What is it? Because if you looked at it, you think, right, it's a it's a door stopper or it's it's some pile of thing. But no, to Elijah, this holds a book. Come on, somebody. And if you I know what you're thinking, I know what you're thinking right now. It, it is for sale. All right, everybody. It is. for. <laughs> if you know my son, Elijah, it's for sale. Everything is for sale. <laughs> Here's the problem with life. We're born and the world tells you. The world tells you you're supposed to look like this. You're supposed to act like that. You're supposed to love these people. You're supposed to go here, be a part of this club. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to be a part of that group of people. You're supposed to And the world will say, and you weren't really made for anything, and you're just a doorstopper. And until you find your creator and ask, why am I here, you'll never know that he created you for something incredible. 
that God created you for something incredible. And until you ask him, okay, what am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? You'll never know that you were actually created for something incredible. You never know why you were here because he designed you. He's the one that designed you. No one else can tell you your purpose. I don't care how hard they tried to do that. No one else can tell you your purpose except your creator. And he has a purpose for you. He created you on purpose and for a purpose. And you always live a meaningless life. You'll never know what you should be doing. You'll never know what should complete you, what you should be put on this earth for until you find your way back to your maker. And you say, okay, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? So yes, knowing God impacts eternity. That's very, very important. But it also impacts life here on this earth. That you can know why you were created. Helps you make sense of every single thing. Because every one of us lives at one of three levels in our lives. You're either in survival mode where you're just making ends meet and you're just trying to wake up in the morning and drag yourself out of bed and you're trying to keep your life together with duct tape and you're just, you're just looking at that level and you're thinking, I just have to get one more day under the belt, just one more day of survival, survival. Or you're at success where the world would say you're successful, where maybe you've, you've built a company or you've got your investments or maybe you're, you're doing well or you're doing well in your career or your field uh, and you've found that level of success that, maybe, uh, that you feel like, okay, I've made it in this world. But then there's a third one, because those who find themselves at the level of success that the world would say, would at the end of the day say, okay, what is it for? Okay, what is it for? I've done all these things. Like I could build the company again, I guess. I could make that money. I could make the investments. I could maybe, you know, start another career and have a second source of income. But then what is it all for? What's the meaning? Because it just feels empty. And Solomon wrote a lot about that in the Old Testament, where he would just say, it all comes up meaningless. And that's all you pursue. And then there's a level that God has called us to live at. And that's significance. That's significance because this is where you live at that level where you say, you know what? I know why I was made. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I've connected with my creator. I've had that relationship with him. And now I can begin to live that out. That's what significance is. Not practicing religion for him, but having a relationship with God. Beginning to know him. I'm not trying to sell you anything today. I just want you to know that you can actually know God. And that God can speak into your life what your purpose is that he has for every single person. It's not the person on your left or the person on the right that I'm talking to you. That God has a purpose for you. That he has something for you to do in this life. The sense of significance. That when I do this thing, now I feel alive. That when I do this thing, now I feel complete because it's what I was made for. It's what I was made for. So God matters. If you don't have him in your life, then you will always be looking for what that purpose is. You'll be going after things that don't really matter. And what happens a lot of times is your problems will then overwhelm you. Your problems will overwhelm you. And here's the secret to life. You will never be free of all problems. All right? Come on, somebody say amen to that. You will never be free in your life of all. It's almost depressing for you to hear. But here's what happens in church here at Victory. We will. And we say we will. And we will help you through different things. We want to counsel you and pastor you and help you through different scenarios in your life. But guess what happens as soon as we clear one problem and get that thing solved in your life? Here comes another one marching down the road towards you because you are either in a storm coming out of a storm or going into a storm in every part of your life. You're going to have problems throughout. And a lot of you say when I say this, you say, well, can't you be a little bit more positive? All right. I am completely positive that you will always have problems in your life. You will always have problems. There's no I'm not trying to depress you. I'm trying to give you the truth this morning. I'm just trying to give you the truth because when you find that you always have problems, then what you need is your purpose. What you need is your purpose because you always have the problems, but what you need to overcome them is your purpose. Because when you find purpose, it's so much bigger than your problems. And you wake up in the morning thinking, well, I know I have those things, those problems in my life, but I also know what I was made for and what I need to do. And when I know my purpose, when I know what I was made for, I don't care about my problems. 
I don't care. They're not going to phase me because I know why I was put on this earth. I know why God created me. Some of the happiest, most life-filled people here at Victory are just messed up. They just got so many problems in their life. And I think, do you not remember, like, the conversation? They're always smiling. And they've got, I'm like, we had a conversation last week. Like, you shouldn't even be out of bed. Like, I don't know how you, like, I don't understand. And they're, they're just full of life and things because they found their purpose. And they're walking through a crisis. Everybody is walking through a crisis. Everybody has things in their life. But the ones who have found their purpose know that it's in Christ. And nothing, no problem can take that from them. Nothing can take that life from them. If you find significance, you find where God has called you to live at, you'll find your purpose. That's why God matters. Yes, for eternity, but also for this life. Now, when you reach this level of significance, you'll find it's always attached to the second one. And that is that people matter. That people matter in this life. We talked about this over the summer. Galatians chapter 5. It says, serve one another humbly in love. Come on, somebody. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you can do that, you can probably keep pretty much everything together. If you're able to follow that, the entire law, everything is fulfilled in keeping this command. Love your neighbor. It takes a lot to be able to love your neighbor as yourself. I know we say it. It's easy to recite, put on our fridge, on our car bumper. It takes a lot to love your neighbor as yourself. Because we're all in a journey to go from where we are to where God wants us to be. But if you don't have people in your life, you don't have these relationships, you're not actually reaching out. If you don't have those in your life, you'll never be able to take that journey. You'll never be able to take the journey on yourself. The problem with culture today is we are more connected and more isolated than we have ever been. Because we got thousands of people who stalk our lives and hundreds of people who like our photos and nobody knows our issues. Because they, they know the front. We're really good about putting up the front. And nobody knows that we're actually dying on the inside. We're able to put that thing up. We filter everything about our lives. The Bible says it's a dangerous place to be. Because underneath that cover and that front that you put up, you are all alone. Ecclesiastes says it this way. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two stand back to back and conquer. And three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. If you're going to reach a place of significance in God, if you're going to be who you were called to be, you're going to have to have somebody that you can be transparent with. Somebody that knows your issue, somebody that you can talk to, you have a place that you can be honest. And that's why we do small groups here at Victory. It's not so we can have another program for you to sign up. This doesn't do anything for us. This is for you. The reason we have small groups is for the congregation. It's for you to have this place that you can have a relationship. I know the Sunday service is a great catalyst for your life. I know that it's amazing to come in here, but this service is not a place that you find instantly lifelong friends where you come on the first Sunday and you just decide. Because when we say, when Kirby says, find two or three people and greet them this morning, that's not the environment where they're saying, well, how was your week? Well, it was great, brother, but my wife is mad at me and my, my dog died and my kids won't come to church. Praise the Lord. How about you? That's not the right environment for that conversation. That'd just be weird, all right? And for your sake, don't be weird, all right? That'll just give you some, some pastoral advice. But guess what? You need to have a place where you can have that conversation. You have to have a place where you can go to somebody and tell them what you're going through and not have them say, well, Lord, I thought you were better than me. I didn't know I was better than you. I didn't know. Uh, I just, I, I thought your marriage was, praise the Lord. I'm going to call five people and tell them just how bad your life really is. No, you need a safe place that you go to somebody that you know it's not going to go past them. You know it's not going to go past them. They're not going to tell anybody, but they are going to call you. They are going to keep you accountable. They are going to speak to you into your life. They are going to bring life and help you come back. They are going to love you through the crisis. You've got to have that in your life. It's what relationships are for. It's what small groups are for. And those go live in a couple of weeks. We're still signing up some leaders uh, for those small groups for this semester. But I would encourage you, 
And we don't assign your friends, all right? That's not what we do at Victory. And so we know that you're red-blooded Americans who can make decisions for yourself. And so we give you the directory and we say, you pick the small group that you want to do. Because you ever meet somebody and say, guess what? Because guess what? You're not going to like everybody, all right? You ever come across somebody? People always gasp when I say this on Sunday. You have to love everybody, but you don't have to like everybody, all right? I just set some of you free this morning, all right? I'm just going to set, I'm going to set, oh, you do have to love everybody, but you don't have to, you ever have a conversation with somebody and you walk away going, well, thank God we don't hang out. Like, it's just, like, <laughs> we would not get along. That would not go well. But I can high five you and smile every Sunday. I can, you know, I can keep on doing, come on, it hurts because it's true. Praise the Lord. But guess what? There are a bunch of people that you will get along with. And it's okay. That's how God created it. He created the body to fit together in those relationships that he's called us to have. And it's our groups rally around the interest of the leader. That's probably a good idea that you might, or a good sign that you might have more in common with them. And so they meet together and then they just do life together. And that's so important that you would do that because it's in life change that happens in relationships. It's where it happens. When you have that relationship, you want something that lasts. You want life change that's going to go the distance. You get into these relationships. You have accountability. You have someone that you can talk to. Someone that you know, well, they're not just going to run to the pastor. That's not what we do. The small group leader isn't running to us to tell us your sins, and then we're going to preach about them on Sunday. That's not how it happens. Man, they're there to be with you through it, to love you through the crisis. And that's what I just want to honor our small group leaders, that they just work and they, they tirelessly, they just love on their group members. Man, they just go after him with everything and they're just they're just so strong and they're just pillars in those groups. And I would encourage you, if you want life change to happen, get in one of these groups. Man, get connected with some people. Amen, everybody. Thank you for the five who love that one. All right, that's important. Someone that can share your pain, someone that can walk with you. Because we got to live for what matters most. Every autobiography, every memoir that you read, every person who's had a near-death experience, every person who's related and they've taken stock of their life. And they begin to write down, okay, what really matters? It's always people. It's always people. People are the only thing that are part of this life that are going to slip into eternity. The only thing that will actually slip into the eternal. And I believe we have an obligation and a responsibility to make a difference in the world. To love people. And honestly, the sad reality is, even I as a pastor, I think sometimes we underestimate how much God loves people. We undershoot it when we think about how much God loves people. In fact, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking about the last days when he's going to be on the judgment seat and all of creation, every person is going to come before him. He's going to separate those who followed him from those who didn't. And they're going to walk before him and he talks to those who are calling themselves Christ's followers in verse 35. He talks to the Christians. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we ever see you like that? Like, we don't even understand what you're talking about. You're God. When did we ever see you in that place? We don't understand. Lord, when would he see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And, and God, when did, when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick and prison and go to visit you? Like, Lord, when did we do those things? When did that ever happen to you, God? When was it? And so the king replies to him. He says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. You did for me. I think it's incredible that Jesus personifies and identifies with the least and the hurting and marginalized in our society. The least of these in our community, the ones who have nothing, the ones who don't even have a voice sometimes to speak for themselves. He identifies with those. Jesus says, I see myself in them, that they're my kids. When you reach out to them, it's as if you're doing it for me. It's as if you're doing it for me. And we have to remember that people matter. 
God matters. People matter. And then the final one this morning as we close, eternity matters. And the reason God matters and that people matter is because eternity is coming. Because eternity is a reality. Because we're all going to slip from this life. We're all, maybe sooner than we would like, we're all going to slip from this life into eternity and we're going to stand before our Creator, our Maker. And He's going to ask, what would you do? What did you do with the things that I gave you? How did you leverage everything that I put into your life? How did you live the moments that I gave you to live on this earth? What did you do with those times? Did you give all you could? Did you serve all you could? Did you reach to people and love them all that you could? Because Jesus warned people he was speaking to in Luke chapter 12. And he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And he's saying, because life does not consist in this life. Life is not in this abundance of possessions. Life is not about this life. As much as God doesn't mind us competing in our sports and making our careers and doing these things and living life and having nice things, having our families and having moments, as much as he doesn't mind, we have to remember that this life is not about just this life. It's not about just this life. Jesus speaks about this man in the next few verses. He tells a story and he says that this man had reached the end. He had reached reached success as the world would see it. He had reached success as the world would call success. And he said to himself, well, I'll just build some barns and make more stuff and put them in. And then I'm just going to take it easy and spend these things on myself. And he said, I'm just, and he, he reached this level of success, but he never reached significance. He never had any plan to make a difference in the world around him. If he had any plan to use what he had done, then to make a difference in the world around him, he hadn't reached significance. And Jesus calls that person a fool. He says it this way. He says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. So you don't even have 30 days left to live. And then what are you going to do with all the stuff that you heaped up for yourself? What are you going to do with all the stuff that you thought was so important? That you, you gathered for yourself? Listen, you have this time left. You have this time left that you have and you didn't even use it. To make a difference. You forgot that God matters. You forgot that people matters. You forgot about eternity. The way to live. And Jesus ends it this way. And he says, this is how it will be for everyone. Who stores up things for themselves. But is not rich toward God. Stores up things for himself. Listen church. This life is not about this life. This life is not about. You have a purpose. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And until you meet with your creator, until you actually ask him, okay, what was I made for? You'll always be living without significance. You'll always be living without. Before you and I realize that we're going to slip into eternity and we'll be face to face with our creator. When he asks that question, what'd you do with what I gave you? And it's time that we begin to start living for eternity. We begin to start living our lives for what matters. Because I believe now is the time. Now is the day of God's salvation. Now is the time. If you've been holding off and saying, well, you know, I'll find God later on in my life. Or you've been holding off and saying, well, I'll change those things when I get a little bit closer to the end. No, no, now is the time. Nobody's guaranteed anymore. Nobody's guaranteed another day. Now is the time to make those decisions. Because I don't know if you have 30 days or 30 years left to live or more. It's too short. We have to make every minute count. Bow your heads with me this morning. I just want to pray that God would help us today to live for what matters most. I pray that every day for the last 21 days of prayer that God would just help us to live for what matters. And first this morning, there are those of you who are here today and you're far from God. 
And I don't know how you got there. I don't know what happened or what drove you away or what, what occurred in your life. I don't know any of that. But you've been asking that question, what is my life about? What am I even here for? And you'll never answer that question until you connect with your designer. It's in him we find our purpose. He's the one that created us. He's the one that knows what we're made for. And so if that's you today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, I want to commit my life to him, I want to experience God, I want to know my creator. And maybe you've never prayed that prayer before in your life. I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not looking to embarrass you. I want to introduce you to Jesus. That you can begin from today to live a life of purpose. That you can experience God. That you can connect with your creator. If you're ready to live for what matters most. If you're ready to live for your creator. If you're ready to make that decision today. I just want to pray with you. But I want to know if you want to be counted in on that prayer. No one else is looking around. Every head is bowed. But if you say right now, Ben, I want to make that decision. I want to live with purpose. I want to find significance. If you say, I want to commit my life to Jesus. Right now, would you make that decision? Be bold and just lift your hand. Right now, wherever you are. If that's you, you say, I want to pray that prayer. Include me in that. Just be bold. Just say, right now, include me in that prayer. Great job. Great job. See the hand in the back. Great job. So anybody else, you say, include me in that prayer. I want to pray that. Let's bow our heads. We're going to pray with those three who raised their hand. And if God didn't see your hand, God saw it. So come on, church. We're going to pray this out loud with those. And if you raised your hand, you want to pray this prayer. I can give you the words, but you've got to mean them in your heart. So come on, church, say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me today for all of my sins, for all my mistakes. I surrender to you. I make you the Lord of my life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to encourage you, there is no better day to be baptized than today. Don't wait for another thing. If you want to be baptized, we would love to baptize you. It's just declaring to the church, if you want to make that decision, we would love to baptize you with the group. Just come and find one of us around the baptismal pool. If you'd like to do that, we'd love to baptize you and make that declaration in your life. And now for the rest of you, I just want to pray a prayer as we finish. God, we thank you for every precious person here, God, for the purpose that you have in their life. God, I pray that we would continually know you and experience you. God, I pray that you would help us identify, to recognize, Lord, the purpose you put into us. And Lord, I pray that we would begin to reach out to those around us. That our heart would break for what breaks yours. That we'd reach to the marginalized, we'd reach to those who have no voice. We would speak for those, God. God, help us to love people. And God, I pray that we would stand and be a voice for those, God. For those that everyone else has forgotten. Father, give us that heart again. And Lord, I pray that we would keep one eye on eternity. Because we know that it's coming, Lord. And so I pray, God, 
that we would always focus. That we would love God and we would love people, God. And Lord, that we would keep our eyes on eternity. Help us to live for what matters most. Help us to make the most of the moments you've given us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's church said amen and amen. Can we put our hands together for what God has done today?